God is here waiting to work in you. He's been working in you all week. He's drawn you to this moment and he's about to do a great work in your heart to bring encouragement and strength and blessing. We're so glad you've joined us for this service because God is about to do a special work in you through the worship, through the ministry of the word, through this opportunity to hear from him. What an amazing thing. We serve a God who speaks and he wants to speak to you. In fact, there's a passage of scripture in Hebrews that I want to share with you that helps us in this moment. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The whole central truth of the New Testament is God's amazing grace. And he says, we can come with confidence into the throne room of grace. And that's what we're about to do. Join us as we worship, as we speak about that grace, as we sing about that grace, as we receive that grace. Let's go with confidence into the presence of the Lord.
God's amazing grace, it's all we have. It's all we need. You know, we live in this sort of selfie culture where it's all about me and my picture and where I am and what I'm doing. But you know what? As we begin to shift our focus away from ourselves and to him, we start to have that grace work in us. And in fact, the more grace we receive from God, the more peace we have. And the less grace we have, the less peace we have. So your peace level is a good sign of how much grace is working in you. God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, these words. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Let me read that again. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. 
He wants to give you all the grace you need. That's why the New Testament books all start with grace to you, grace to you, because God wants that work of grace in your life. And he's got all kinds of grace, all the grace you need. He has a grace for having a high schooler at home. He has a grace for being single, a grace for being married. He has a grace for whatever your workplace is. He has a grace for regional medical hospital. He has a grace for Starbucks. Wherever you work, he's got enough grace for you. He's got enough grace for your family. There's a Garcia grace. There's a Mancari grace. There's a grace for your family. There's a grace for wherever he's put you. A San Jose grace, a California grace. And we also are praying at this time for an Afghan grace. You know, there are many Christians right now who are being persecuted in the transitions that's happening. We can pray for that grace to work in each and every one of us. And I want to pray that over you right now. Lord, you know the circumstance of every person watching. You know where they are in their family life, in their work life, in their health, in their strength, their relationships. You know what we're going through in our community. You you know the grace we need, a San Jose grace, uh, an Afghan grace, a, a COVID grace. We need a special grace from you. And as you reach into each person right now, let them know that your grace is more than enough. You are able to make all grace abound toward them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, welcome to Cathedral of Faith it's so great to have you here with us in this moment. We believe God wants to speak to you and minister to you. We're so glad you're with us. And in fact, I want to encourage you, once you've watched this special service and allowed the Lord to speak to you, there are so many ways that God can continue to speak to you throughout the week. You'll see on the screen some of the options. We have a Facebook page that has amazing posts. You can go to at Cathedral. SJ and be encouraged. Challenges are there from Pastor Ken each week. You can also go to our Instagram account where encouraging words are posted each day and you can be strengthened. You could also go to TikTok. We have some amazing pieces there that'll help encourage and strengthen you and to receive the grace you need. You also can go to YouTube and to Vimeo and search Cathedral of Faith. We have so many sermons there and ministry opportunities and ministry songs. Cathedral of Worship that can minister to you wherever you are during the week. It's great that you're tuned into this service, but I encourage you, keep tuning in, logging in to all those opportunities for God to speak to you and work in you. We've been talking about grace in these moments, and there's another passage of scripture that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, and he says this, excel in the grace of giving. And in this moment, you get to let the grace of God work in you as you give. And there are a variety of ways you can do that. You can go to our church app. You can go online. There's a number there on the screen you can text to so that you can give your gifts to the Lord and excel in the grace of giving. Or feel free to write out a check and mail it to the church office or drop it by during the week, Monday through Friday. We're so grateful for the grace God gives us and the grace he lets flow through us. And here coming with a powerful word as we work through this series and let the Lord speak to us, Pastor Kins coming to Minister Life. Hello, Cathedral family and friends. We're thinking about the questions of Silicon Valley. Here in the valley, we live in the hub of the high-tech universe. In fact, I saw this one dad who was talking and he said, I was trying to teach him to say dada, but instead this toddler says 
data. <laughs> now this family lives in the Silicon Valley. And today's question has to do with technology itself. When you step back and you look at it, whoa, technology has done so much to make our world a better place. The great inventor Thomas Edison, he once described technology this way. He said, technology is about creating what the world needs. And have we ever? I mean, just in my lifetime, we've developed fuel cell technology that has lowered pollution. We've got telemedicine that can bring uh, help and assistance to those in remote locations. We've got these desalinization plants that bring water to arid climates. And then I love these right here. We've got a, you know, we can pay mobily on our phones. We don't even have to carry a wallet. How convenient is that? And then we can go online and we can search ourselves for the lowest airfares. And I love a good deal. And then here's my favorite. Well, you've got this spell check system. So it doesn't matter how much I butcher that sermon transcript. You know, that spell check makes it all just right. I, I love technology. I really do. And, and I love science. I, I'm not very good at science. Back in college, I took the easiest science class there was. So I can't talk biology with you or chemistry with you, but I can talk the weather with you. Of course, now they have apps. And so the class I took in college, earth science, it was just a waste of time, I guess. Don't you hate when that happens? But I've got great respect for science. You know, science isn't the enemy of faith. People of faith in the course of history have been deeply involved in science. If you go back and you look at the different leaders in the industry at every level, in every field, you'll find people of faith. In fact, the current CEO of Intel, one of the smartest guys in the Bay Area is named Pat Gelsinger, a friend of ours. He's a man of science who's also a man of faith. So technology, science isn't the enemy of faith. And yet, given the day that we live in and the area that we live in, I think what we need to do is include with all of our science and technology a big dose of humility. Because when we start to bow down to technology and worship technology and we turn technology into an idol, there are limitations to our technology. Technology is not all-knowing. And sometimes they do things that have unforeseen side effects. It's hard to believe football season is already here. And if many years ago you watched a football game, you would see them wearing uniforms like this. And they would wear these leather helmets. Now that doesn't look like very much protection for the head. So technology got to work. And they went on developing, well, they worked on developing a better helmet. And they did. They developed a better helmet that protected the head much more effectively. But instead of solving the problem, this created a whole different problem. 
because instead of the head injuries going down, the head injuries actually went up because guys with these better helmets were more aggressive in their tackling and they began to use their heads and their helmets as weapons. See, they solved one problem but created problems on a whole different level. And that can happen. Technology should not take the place of God. Give technology its space, but make sure you give God his place. Because technology, it can solve a lot of problems, but that brings us to our question for the day. Siri, can you help me out? Hey, Pastor Ken, can technology solve our biggest problem? Technology can solve lots of problems, but can it solve our greatest problem? I'd like to suggest that our greatest problem is not somewhere out there. Instead, it's right here, much closer to home. In the human heart, it's the sin problem. There's a man in the Bible, he writes very authentically about his struggle with the sin problem. In Romans chapter 7, we read this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? In one translation, it puts it this way. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of sin and death? Now, in ancient times, when a ruler conquered a city, sometimes he would take a dead body that had been killed in battle and he would take a person who had been captured in battle and he would tie that dead body to that live person. And that person would have to carry that dead body around all day. It was always in his face. He could not get away from the stench. And that is the picture that the writer gives us of his own life. And he says, who can rescue me? Everywhere I go, I'm tied to this thing. I can't get away from its stench. And that right there is our biggest problem. The great Russian novelist, philosopher, Soviet dissident, Solzhenitsyn, he once wrote, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. That is the problem that is within every human heart. It's the sin problem. And this sin problem shows up in our technology. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to name a, a technology that has made more impact on our world than the internet. I, I saw this one grandma who was online. She said, do they deliver emails on Sunday? And everybody uses the internet. I mean, the you know, grandmas and parents and the kids and, and the internet. Well, it's, it was developed over 40 years ago. The idea of it came up in a beer garden of all places. I wonder if it was during Oktoberfest. And so they came up with this idea, and today, uh, you know, more, more than half of the world's population is on the internet, and um, 
I read that the average person spends 10 hours somehow on the internet and that you can connect to the internet. They have everything from walking sticks to water bottles that will link you up with the internet. And there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with the internet. And yet what does the internet really do? It amplifies what is in the human heart. You see, on the internet, I can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Or on the internet, I can recruit terrorists. It all depends on what's in my heart. And the amplify, the internet gives a voice. It amplifies my voice to the entire world. See, this sin problem, it cannot be solved by technology. It can't be solved by education. Again, I believe in the power of education like I believe in the power of technology. But education has its limitations. Remember, it was educated people and their technology that created the death camps during World War II. It was educated people and their technology that deployed chemical weapons on the civilians in Syria. See, education is good as far as it goes, but we need something, something else that is going to help us solve the sin problem. We need something, and it turns out that something is actually a someone. And that brings us to the two of me. The man in the Bible, he answers his own question in Romans chapter 7. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Can somebody say amen? I think I heard that all the way through the screen. Jesus himself is the answer to our sin problem. But who is this man that wrote these words? Where did the sin problem come from? And how is Jesus the answer after all? Well, the sin problem goes all the way back to the very beginning. In the creation story, you find the very first man and woman, they're in paradise with God. What could be better than that? And yet they use their free will. They're human beings that have been made in the image of God. And so they have free will. And they use their free will to be their own boss, do their own thing, go their own way, be their own God. And they disobey the creator who loves them. And when they do, sin enters the human race like a virus that infects us. And now every human being is born with that virus. We are not born with a clean slate. Everyone is born with this virus and parents more than anyone know this. You know that when you're a toddler, uh, is growing up that you don't have to Well, you don't have to teach him to do this. Watch his video and see if you resonate with this at all. 
He can have a couple. He can have a couple. And he's going to take some more. No. You don't have to teach your kids to do that. It just has a way of showing up. I heard about this one grandma who was uh, teaching her grandkids about the Bible. And she said, to the se- she said, can you tell me what sin is? And the seven-year-old boy said, yeah, I know what sin is. Sin is when you do something bad. The four-year-old piped up and he said, I know of a big sin you committed today. And the seven-year-old said, you mind your own business. I'll take care of my sin and you take care of yours. All of us know that sin is our biggest problem. See, we are still born. We're made, created in the image of God, but we're born with this virus. And there's this tendency in us. And we need something that can cure us. Where can we find the cure? Or right after this first infection, we're given a promise. And the promise talks about a future cure that's on the way. In Genesis chapter 3, this is how it reads. God says to the serpent, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That there's a day coming. A savior of the world will show up. Fast forward to the life of Jesus. Before his, he is born, an angel makes the announcement that there's a, a savior that's coming into the world that you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And fast forward to the cross. And as Jesus hangs on the cross, this is the moment that the serpent bruises the heel of Jesus. That the demonic forces... And Satan believed that they have defeated Jesus once and for all. They bruised his heel. But then Jesus turns the cross upside down. And we find out when he comes back from the dead that Jesus has crushed the head of the serpent. Can somebody say hallelujah? In his life and in his death and in his resurrection... He takes care of the sin problem. That he is the Lamb of God that has taken away the sins of the world. This is what we believe. There are many ways he frees us from our sin. He frees us from the penalty of our sin. My sin has separated me from the God who created me. And yet... Because of Jesus, Jesus builds a bridge so that I can be reconnected with my creator. I have been forgiven of my sin. He has removed my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. And then he will free me one day from the very presence of sin. That you and I were on our way to a virus-free paradise. That... No longer will, be, will sin be in us or on us or even around us. Sin will be totally removed. And even now though, he gives us power to overcome sin. That there is a battle, there's a real battle. But Jesus Christ 
can give us victory in this battle. Now the writer, who is this writer that wrote about this internal battle? Well, the writer is the apostle Paul himself. And he writes about this battle that he has as a believer. And look at the ways he describes this battle. He says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And you thought you were the only one. He says again, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. How I know how that power works all too well. And then we see this. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. The sinful nature that's in us. This is the part that we learn to deny. This is the part that we learn to crucify. So we can be free to be the human beings that God has called us to be. There's this battle between us. It's like there's two of us. This battle within us. In fact, there's a great story that illustrates this. If you remember the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll, of course, was a good scientist who uses technology because he wants to find a way to release this other part of himself, the evil part of himself. And so he develops a serum, he takes his serum, and when he does, it transforms him into the evil Mr. Hyde. Now, at first, he's able to control it, and he can come back to being Dr. Jekyll anytime he wants, but eventually he loses control. And he starts turning into Mr. Hyde, even when he doesn't take the serum. And eventually he loses total control. And the only thing he knows to do is to take a poison that destroys both Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. See, this battle is real. And every day you and I face it, we do. Who's going to show up that day? Is it going to be this guy? Or is it going to be this guy? Or is it going to be a little bit of both? One of the most preeminent theologians of the past hundred years, Karl Barth, he talked about the struggle this way. He said, even though the old Adam has been drowned in the waters of baptism, the problem of the human condition is that apparently that old man still knows how to swim. We all know that's like what that's like. The battle is real. And yet again, we go back to the victory cry that the Apostle Paul, when he answers his own question, who shall save me and deliver me, free me from sin and death? And he has this victory cry. I like how the message paraphrase answers the question. In chapter 7, we read, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does deliver us. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. In other words, the conflict is inevitable, 
but defeat is not. The battle is intense, but victory can be won. The sinful nature, you can, you can know that it will show up, but you can also know that by the grace of God, we can overcome it. We can't do it on our own, but thanks be to God, we're not on our own. That God has put his spirit inside of us. A few verses later, Paul would write this. Because of what Christ Jesus has done, you are free. You are now controlled by the law of the Holy Spirit who gives you life. The law of the Spirit frees you from the law of sin that brings death. Willpower will only take you so far. What you need in your life is wind power. The power of the Holy Spirit that can lift you up to greater heights. One of the best ways that I like to illustrate this is, well, whenever I get onto an airplane, recently I had to take an airplane somewhere and, well, I went through security and I found the gate and then I got on the plane and found the seat and, man, it was packed. All of us were packed in there. All of our weight was there. All of our COVID weight was there. And I was trying to keep up the curve. So we had all of our weight. And then the weight of our bags, 50 pounds per person. And then there's the weight of the fuel, 23,000 pounds of fuel. And then there's the weight of the plane, 90,000 pounds of weight. And then you had the law of gravity working with all that weight to keep us right where we were on the ground. Then something amazing happens. The engines come on. The plane starts to taxi. And before you know it, you're up in the air and headed on your way to 40,000 feet. Now, how does that happen? Did the law of gravity suddenly stop working? I don't think so. When I looked out the window, I saw that people were on the ground and cars were on the ground. The law of gravity was still at work, but something else happened. Another law kicked in. That the thrust of the engines overcame the drag and that the air flowing over the wings created a lift that overcame the weight. Now, the technical name for this is the law of aerodynamics. And that law of aerodynamics overcame the law of gravity. And that's what enabled the plane to get off the ground. And the law of the spirit at work in your life can set you free. That can break you free from the pull of that sinful nature so that you can live your life at a whole new level. One of the ways we can lean into the spirit is by leaning into the Holy Spirit with our minds, creating a new mindset. I saw this one guy who's at a computer and he says, the computer says, I need to upgrade my brain to be compatible with its new software. <laughs> Boy, I felt like that before. And that's my challenge to you. What if this week we all upgraded our brains just a bit? See, your mindset is so important. Because what I think about affects the way that I act and the way that I feel. And if I can take on a different mindset, there's a kind of mindset that will keep me 
right where I am, there on the ground. But there's another kind of mindset that will lift me up. Romans chapter 8 talks about that mindset. It says those who live according to their flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. Where is my mindset? What is my mind set on? Because that will determine how high I can fly. And that brings us to our seven-day challenge. I invite you to join me on a seven-day journey to create a better mindset. On our social media, every day we're going to give you a Bible verse to memorize. Oh, you may be thinking, Ken, when it comes to memory, my memory's just not that great. Someone once said, everybody's got a photographic memory, but not everybody's got film. Hello. And if you just can't memorize things like you used to be able to, you can still be on that journey with us. Write that verse out on a three by five card. And for that one day, take that verse with you wherever you go. And every once in a while, read it, repeat it, think about it, declare it, chew on it, meditate on it. And feed that to your mind. There's an old Indian legend about a a grandfather who was teaching his grandson about this inner conflict. And he described it this way. There's two wolves that live inside of me. One is good and one is bad. And they battle with each other. And the grandson said, he asked, well, grandpa, which wolf wins? And the grandfather replied, the one that I feed the most. What am I feeding to my mind this week, this day? I'm going to feed my mind scripture, spirit-inspired thoughts, spirit-led thoughts. By the grace of God, I'm going to help take on, I'm going to take on what the Bible calls the mind of Christ. And when I do, Romans chapter 8 describes that journey this way. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. This is the journey that we're on. As we let God transform our mindsets. We overcome the pull of the sinful nature. We find ourselves flying at higher heights. Last week after service, I talked to two young ladies out in front of the church. They told me they were friends. I asked them how they met, and they said they met in prison of all places. They had taken very different paths to get there, but they both ended up in prison. And yet the most important thing was not how they got there or where they ended up. It was who they met in prison. It was in prison that they both became followers of Jesus. And they were so grateful for what Christ had done in their lives. I mean, there was just joy in their hearts. It was written all over them. And one of them described her journey with me. She said, I've been clean and sober for over two years now. That may not seem like a big deal to you. But if you've ever battled an addiction or you know someone who has, man, addiction is like a beast 
that doesn't want to just keep you on the ground. It wants to bury you under it. And yet every day, the pull of the sinful nature, it's still there. But she's winning that battle one day at a time. And one day has turned into a week. And that week's turned into a month. And that month has turned into two years. And what God did for her, God can do for you. So your battle may be very different. But the battle may be just as intense. It may be a battle with pride or with envy or with lust or with greed or with anger. And the weight of those things, you can feel them trying to keep you on the ground. But today we stand up with a battle cry. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Thanks be to God. In Jesus Christ, I find the victory. Amen and amen. Here's Pastor Vaughn and our team with a song that makes that declaration, my victory.
begins to fade And when my time on earth is done I shall rejoice with shouts of glory Cause now forever has begun Thank you, Pastor Vaughn, and thank you. Thank you for joining our online community. I pray for you. We love you. If there's any way we can serve you, please let me know. I love hearing from you. So 
whether it's an email or you contact us on Facebook, however you do it, I'd love to hear from you. And we want you to know we're believing the best for you. And we're believing that this victory chant will get in your spirit. Thanks be to God, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us the victory. Don't forget right after the service is the wrap where you can take this deeper and further. Let me speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And I speak this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you, Cathedral. Have a blessed week. Cathedral of Faith, come on in. It's time for the wrap. And let's get into it. Pastor Ken, wrapping up this series of these questions of the Silicon Valley, and this one was a big one, right? Can technology solve our biggest problems? And Pastor Shelley, I think you have the answer to that. What is it? No. No. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. All right. (laughs) But there's a lot to this. We can get we can get into this. There was some great stuff that brought up. And and how about how about Pastor Shelley? What what kind of stuck out to you? So yeah, Pastor Ken's message was really powerful. Mm -hmm. And what stuck out to me, I think the most resonated with me is the struggle that Paul had Mm -hmm. of where the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, those are the very things Mm -hmm. that I find myself doing. Mm -hmm. And that for me is like a everyday struggle, even maturing in Christ, Mm. there's still that struggle of choosing every day to do what I know God wants me to do, to do what is right, to keep my mind on the right things, Mm. you know, and I I have that same tension. Who can deliver me? Who can pull me out of this? Mm. God. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. So that stood out to me big time. Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Carlos? From just the, the whole struggle, the warring with the fights inside of ourselves. It's not, it's not outside or what's happening. It's the yeah. struggles that we have. Yeah. And battling with the flesh and knowing what's right. Mm. Just like Pastor Shelley said. Yeah. And Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it was, I loved it. Yeah. Even the, the, what he was talking about, the plane and how much force that yeah. takes yeah. To, to lift yourself out of yeah, yeah, wherever yeah. you're at. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, it, it's interesting too in this day and age with where we're so heavily, so much of our lives is lived online and we engage yes. in social media mm-hmm. um, and things like of that nature. And it just seems that every day it's just a war, right? Yeah. The left and the right, the non-vaccinated and the vaccinated mm-hmm. or the anti-maskers or the, mm-hmm. whatever, or, uh, the Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. or the people of faith and, you know, the people of, of no faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and so many times we can get caught up in those things. Yes. And I, I was reminded about hearing there's enough war in here for me to, yes. to, to take care of yes. than trying to engage or control mm-hmm. what you can't control mm-hmm. out there. Right. There's a lot of work mm-hmm. to be done right here. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love the, um, just the, the premise that he, he, he brought the message out of, you know, mm-hmm. technology. Like we live in this, 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 this place of progress. Mm-hmm. We live in this uh, day and age of progress, of technology and advancements. Yeah. It's, it's made our life simpler. Yeah. Medication, we've extended the, our years of living. Yeah. We've, uh, food is easily accessible. Housing is easily, well, not, not here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Housing's a little expensive. But uh, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Technology helps us in so many ways, right? We can mm-hmm. order groceries on the, on the phone now. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it's there's we still got to deal with this. Yeah. That's right. And this yeah. is still of paramount importance. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm grateful for Pastor Ken to bring yeah. that to light to us today. Yeah. I love how he how he said that the the biggest problem was the sin problem. Mm -hmm. And how he, the analogy of how he did with the virus, yeah. like that sin virus, like we're all born with it. You don't have to teach us as children mm. to be mean to mm. each other, to whatever. So we have that bent in us to do wrong, mm -hmm. you know. But then as we grow and we mature in Christ, we, re we realize that that struggle is there, but there is an answer. And that's someone, so, like what he ooh, says. Like the that's answer good. is someone, and yeah. it's all in Jesus. Ooh. It's found that's right. in, that's good. in him. Yeah. That's good. And I, I, I love, too, the virus analogy and mm -hmm. metaphor because... Uh, sometimes we just think of like in, in the world, worldly sense, they might hear the word sin and they just think wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. and the whole thing of a virus is it's, it's much deeper mm -hmm. than just a behavior. Mm -hmm. It's there's something that's actually out to destroy mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. It's actively fighting against us. Yes. And so it, it just it, it puts us into a, a greater understanding, mm -hmm. a, a more right understanding of what sin is. It's mm -hmm. not just. I chose the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot more going on mm -hmm. underneath that. Uh, you know, you have the sin action, but then you have the sin nature that's yeah, underneath. Exactly. It gives life to all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Carlos, anything else, man, that you were hearing? And just, I mean, just so much that, I mean, that it was Paul, too. He was like one of the great apostles, and he did, wrote um, the majority of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But you see his journey, and even the, where we started, right, where what he wants to do, yeah. you know, the whole sin nature. Yeah. And it just kind of, we were talking earlier, and I was just saying that it's, it, it's just a big push and fight to, to, mm -hmm. to choose yeah. mm -hmm. against, against what your flesh wants, the enemy, and, you know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, like, like you mentioned earlier, the, the whole flight analogy, I mm -hmm. think, was really strong and how, you know, I don't know, about you, you, but whenever I get on a plane, I'm just like, how does this work? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, he, he broke down the yeah. analytics, right? 90,000 yeah. pounds, 3,000 pounds of fuel, yeah. all, all of our weights, weight. our baggage, everything. Mm -hmm. And like, how does this thing fly mm -hmm. through the air? And it looks almost effortless. Mm -hmm. And the thing I, I got thinking about too, like the, the, you know, the miracle of flight, it's, it's always in opposition to this, this law of gravity. Yes. Right. Yes. And then I, I got thinking about it too. Like the, you know, the law of gravity that, which is always active on top of us, mm -hmm. but it takes other laws mm. to combat that law. Come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it takes right. A, the law of lift and thrust mm -hmm. and, right. and all these other laws that can overcome to actually, to where mm -hmm. you're actually soaring at mm -hmm. a certain point. And, um, and, and it, so in terms of our own lives, right. Mm -hmm. There's always this law of sin and, and mm -hmm. this Trying literal law, down. right? That's mm -hmm. always in opposition mm -hmm. to the spirit. But we, we can't encounter it in the flesh. Right. We need other laws, right. a greater law. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not something, it's someone. Mm -hmm. It's someone. That, uh, that becomes Christ to us. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really powerful. And then he said yeah. that whatever, whatever you feed grows. Mm. So you it. have those two wolves inside of you. Yep. Well, who's going to win? Well, whatever you feed. Yeah. So in order for us to be elevated, we got to feed ourselves the word of Come God. Yeah. Our spirit has to be fed. We got to get in the presence of God. 
you know, soak in his presence. Mm, that's good. You know, worship him. Mm -hmm. You know, don't wait till you come to church to worship. Mm -hmm. Worship at home. Stay in his presence. That's you know, so train yourself. Like, discipline yourself to, like, be in the word. Because that, along with the Holy Spirit, is, is what lifts us okay, to yeah. that place. Amen. Where mentally... We're concentrated on what's ahead. Like you, I think you alluded to it. You didn't say it like that, but for the joy that was set before Jesus, mm. he endured the cross. Like Absolutely. he suffered too. He had that struggle, although he didn't sin. Mm -hmm. He could identify, mm. but how did he overcome? So good. By fixing his eyes on a higher place. So good. I, Oh, come, come on, on somebody. No. We are anchored to this hope. <laughs> yes. We're yes, anchored to we're, this hope. And it gives us yeah. hope. Yeah, it gives absolutely. us hope yeah. that we don't have to. This struggle is real. Right. But through Christ, we can overcome. We have already overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. So we just good. have to rise to that level. Yeah. I delight in the law of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Take delight in the law of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. So Cathedral of Faith, we hope Thank that you, that you engage in this war yeah. uh, for your soul and, and for the kingdom. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great things that Pastor Shelley just brought up, some mm -hmm. practical ways of how you can delight yourself in the law of the Lord and, and feed yeah. the one that you want to win in your yeah. life. And we're just, we just pray blessing over you yes. wherever you're at. You're not yes. alone. You're not experiencing the difficulties of this world on your own. That's right. We are all engaged in the same, the same space. Thank you, So we Lord. just pray blessing over you. We pray victory, yes, that God. you would experience the victory of Christ over your family, yes, over God. your dreams, that you would feel the wind of the Spirit at Ooh, your back, yes. that the Word of God, the Logos, the living Word would come, come alive in you yes, and would give you victory. Thank you, Jesus. You would give you victory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Stay, stay locked. Stay committed to the yeah. kingdom. Um, you're not alone. We're in this together. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's have an amazing week. Let's take yeah. up Pastor Ken up on his seven-day challenge. Let's get the word of the Lord in our yeah. lives. Let's feed, scripture. let's feed the spirit. Mm -hmm. We love you guys. Cathedral of Faith. And as always, it's, it's a wrap. wrap.